Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. All right, well, the top of the morning to you. Brian Buffini here, and thanks for joining us today. I have a very special guest with me today. Her name is Sally Hogshead, and we're actually recording this live backstage at one of our success tour events in Richmond. And Sally just wowed an audience of a couple thousand folks here for the past hour, teaching them how to be distinctive and how to fascinate. Instead of focusing on how you see the world, Sally's gift is helping people understand how the world sees you. And Sally, you have a pretty interesting background. I guess you're a dookie. I didn't know that. I am a blue devil. Wow. Are we going to have to tussle on oh, this? Oh, no, that's great. No, I, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm from San Diego State, so, um, you know, we really don't have a horse in the race, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're married. You have eight kids. We're a blended family. Wow. We have five in college. Oh, and uh, we have two more kids in the Brady Bunch, so we like to think that we're overachievers. You are. Uh, you're two more than the Buffini Bunch. Two more than the Buffini wow. Bunch, yes. That's a lot of blending. That's yeah. all I hey, know. That's do you great. want a couple more? Because <laughs> we can ship them over. Yeah, and my wife would take them, unfortunately. <laughs> now, your background is you were in the advertising business. You were a very successful copywriter, many award-winning copywriter, best-selling book. You've been on national TV and the Today Show and done that whole circuit. And uh, you're in the Speaker Hall of Fame, and I can certainly see why after what you did with our audience today. It was great stuff. You know, on our show, we we really focus on the mindset, the motivation, and the methodologies of success. You know, the mindset, how you think and what you believe. The motivation, you know, what are your goals? What drives you? What are those desires that really make you do it? Kids certainly will give you a lot of desire. Eight kids, five in college, that will certainly give you a lot of motivation. (laughs) And then ultimately... The methodologies, you know, those practical things you do on a daily basis to make you who you are. And as I look at this, one of the things we've emphasized on our show is bringing in people who've been there and done that. As you know, there's so many people who write books and do this and do that, or even give speeches. They've never actually done anything. They've read a lot about it. Right. (laughs) They haven't actually shown up to do it. But you've been in the game, you've done the work, and now in your world today... I understand you've had over 600,000 people go through this basic profile dynamic that you've developed to help people understand their style and what makes them fascinating. We just did that with our audience, and they were eating it up. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about this as far as your own mindset for yourself in regards to success. How do you approach the thought process of achievement for yourself? You know, what is it that you're hoping to achieve or you're striving for? In order for anyone, including me, to reach the absolute fullest potential, we have to stop trying to change who we are, Mm. and instead we have to become more of who we are. Mm. And the problem is that so many people professionally and personally, they water down their most distinctive traits. Mm. And when a brand waters down its most distinctive traits, then the brand becomes a commodity. Mm. It has to lower prices. Fashion brands that water themselves down end up in the strip mall. When a premium brand waters itself down, then it ends up becoming a parody product that nobody wants to buy, Mm. nobody wants to give. So in the same way for us, every time we communicate, we're doing one of two things. We're either adding value Mm -hmm. or we're taking up space. (laughs) When you add value, people are connected to you. They want to work with you. They seek you out. They'll pay more for your services because you do something that's distinct. You stand out in the marketplace. You're highly differentiated. On the other hand, we've all worked with people who don't add value. They just take up space. You know, it's like that guy in the meeting who keeps raising his hand but doesn't actually say very much. Mm. 
And so what do you do when somebody keeps raising their hand in a meeting without contributing much? What do you start to do? We'll start to ignore them. Start to ignore them. Yeah. Well, we do the exact same thing when we get messages like, say, spam messages. What do we do when we delete them? Yeah. Put them in the spam folder. Sure. So imagine that if you're not adding value and you're only taking up space when you communicate, people start putting you in a human spam folder. Mm. Wow. So we want to make sure that, especially in a, in a world with a shrinking attention span, yeah. but increasing competitiveness in the marketplace, that we're constantly adding value. And right. what I found through my research is that there are specific ways that you can add value to overcome the shrinking attention span and make sure that you are seen as the premium option so you can keep your service fees high and your reputation mm. and build your brand in a way that people seek you out for who you already are. I loved how you shared with the audience that the intention span of the average person is nine seconds, basically the same as a goldfish. I right, thought that's right. hilarious. Now, if you think about that and you talk about adding value, and I think that's obviously the key is to be able to provide value, communicate your value, and then obviously demonstrate it so people will pay you, especially small business owners. Right, making it relevant. Why is it that so many people struggle with their own value, whether it's in a business or even on a personal level? People do represent value, but people seem to have such a hard time recognize their own value. And not just recognizing it, but identifying it, honing it down, and then articulating mm. it. And the reason is because it's not possible for us to see how the world sees us mm -hmm. objectively. Right. If you look in a mirror, you probably see flaws and imperfections are um, not you, of course. Of course. Of course. I have distorted mirrors all around yeah. me. That supports my ego. When we look into a mirror, we don't see ourselves as the world sees us. We yeah. see ourselves as we see ourselves. Right. But what if you had a, a mirror, a magic mirror, that could reflect the best qualities of how people see you, mm. those qualities that your client wants and values and admires and will pay more for and will drive across town to work with you and will ignore all the other options? Mm -hmm. That mirror would be something that would be intensely valuable, right? Mm -hmm. That's what my research has shown me, that we can have that mirror, but we can't do it by looking through the lens of psychology, because psychology is how you see the world. Right. In order for us to understand how our clients see us at our best, we have to look through the lens of branding. Mm. And so by building an algorithm that works exactly the way Coca-Cola interprets its focus groups, the way Nike looks out at the market and sees what is most valued in its products, mm. I help people see exactly how they are most primed to add value, not on that they're good, not that they are experienced, not that they have a big network, because honestly, those things are a commodity mm -hmm. today, but rather showing them what makes them different. And what I found among the high performers is that it's not good enough to be better. Everybody's better. The world is getting better all the time because mm -hmm. competition is rising. Right. What's better than better is being different. Mm -hmm. Different is better than better. So as you're building your brand and you're establishing your value, what's most valuable in terms of translating to your client is to know how are you different and how can you help them understand that? Because if they can't describe who you are at your best, they can't refer you. It's interesting. You know, back in the day when I was selling real estate, I decided to unintentionally do a branding exercise with my best customers. I, I didn't really know what I was doing this, but I, I was generating all these referrals. So I sat down with my 10 best customers. I went and had lunch with them one at a time. And I said, when you refer me, what do you say? And it shocked me. Now, I was pretty in tune with marketing. I was one of the top agents in the United States at the time. But to some degree or other, they all mentioned negotiation. 
Boy, you got me a great deal. I always tell my friends, boy, you're, you're really good at bat for us. You really fought for us at every aspect of the transaction. You're really on our side. You're able to get us the best deal. Nowhere in my marketing, nowhere in my presentation did I have the word negotiating at all. I didn't even think it was a skill of mine. It was just something I did. And I think one of the problems is our own value is so natural to us that we're blind to it. That's why we need these third party. We need these tests and profiles right. and, and a third party outside of ourselves kind of holding up a mirror and going, no, this is how the world sees you, and here is your value. When I started to do that, it was interesting that the congruency between my marketing and what my clients said, and my business expanded exponentially. Mm -hmm. And I follow that principle. You know, 20 years later now in our training and coaching company, we did the same thing. Every year we do an assessment. When you refer us, what do you say? When you refer us, what do you say? And now it's easier, obviously, with social media and so on and so forth. But all of our marketing has been built around what our customers actually say. And I have a fantastic marketing team. We have dozens of people in the marketing department. But every year I'll do a test. What do you think they're saying? And then what are they saying? And it's never the same. So I think it's something that is very innately difficult, I think, for all human beings to see their own value. And that's what's so valuable about the kind of resources you've provided that actually helps people see where the blind spots are, right? And to articulate that, because if I were to give you the words, you use the word negotiation, and I would say it's actually something that you said in the sentence after. You said, going to bat for me. Mm -hmm. He goes to bat for me. Now, that's a little bit different. Negotiation is something that everybody does, yeah. but going to bat for me mm -hmm. is a huge value proposition. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? Yeah. And you mentioned getting the best price. Well, a lot of times negotiation has to do with something goes wrong with the inspection, and it's tit for tat. Right. Terms and things, yeah. Right. And so the more specific you can be, the more you can develop language. Mm. And so that's why I took my advertising background, my skill is, as a copywriter, the time that I spent working with BMW and Mini Cooper and other brands that we all know and love. And I translated that into a very simple formula, mm. kind of like a hack, nice. like, like a growth hack or a life hack. This sure. is a brand hack. Mm -hmm. I'll even tell you the formula. Come on, let's go. Okay. Come on. That's what the podcast is for. We want the inside okay, scoop, not the, the stuff we do on here's, here's the inside scoop. For years, I worked as a very highly paid freelancer. And the reason why I was so highly paid is because I could parachute into a big problem that Cole Hahn in, on Monday could dive on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I could solve problems very, very quickly. And in a competitive environment in which people are looking for answers immediately, when they're probably in a crisis, mm -hmm. being able to provide an actual point of differentiation almost instantly is a hugely valuable thing for a brand. Mm -hmm. Here's how I did it. There are two things you need to know to differentiate any brand, whether corporate, business to consumer, or personal brand. You have to know how the brand is different, mm -hmm. and you have to know what the brand does best. Mm -hmm. As soon as you can identify the words to describe how the brand is different, you have just clearly differentiated, differentiated, mm -hmm. literally different, differentiated it from its competitors. So that word is crucially important. Mm. The second part is the area of highest performance what the brand does best, and that's a noun. So this very simple formula turned into a huge advantage for the clients that I worked with. How the brand is different, what the brand does best. About four years ago, I left advertising and branding, and I began realizing that we could do this exact same process with people. Mm. And now we've done it with millions of people to help them differentiate themselves. How are you different? What do you do best? Mm. What's the adjective that describes your point of differentiation? 
and this is crucially important in highly commoditized fields like real estate. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my anthem is fascinating communication. I help people become fascinating through what I do best, which is communication. Nice. I don't need to hire somebody on my team who also delivers fascinating communication because then we would be redundant. Mm-hmm. Instead, because I can do the big picture thinking, I need to hire people who deliver an anthem such as meticulous follow through. Mm-hmm. I want people who are very detailed who'll be able to implement and execute over and over and over again. When I work with clients, it's crucially important for me to make sure the person who's bringing me in has to need fascinating communication because if they don't need fascinating communication, yeah. I can't deliver you? my highest value. It's your biggest value and it's why you're there. So the thing that everybody in real estate or any other competitive and commoditized right. field needs to understand is what is their problem? What is the client's problem? for which you are the perfect solution. And once you can identify why you are the perfect solution, you have just very quickly and succinctly identified why you are of the highest value. Mm. So say, for example, if the client, if the problem that they're running into is the first house they bought and they can't get a mortgage. Well, because I, I deliver fascinating communication, I can help them create a better application. I can help them envision a property that they may not think of as fascinating. Mm. So this is the challenge that all of us need to go through. Whether you're working with a client, whether you're working with a lender or prospects, identify their problem. Is it they need to close in two weeks? Is it they have bad credit? Or is it they're trying to get up to the next level? Mm -hmm. And then see how your distinct value, that how you are different phrase, Mm -hmm. answers that. Nice. So you've done this with many companies, certainly beyond the real estate space. Many thousands of companies. Now you've done it with individuals. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the resources. You've got a cool book coming out. And I also want to talk a little bit about your profile, which is is kind of a neat assessment. I, I went through it here recently. Talk to me about this. Let's switch gears here for a second. What motivates you? You're an accomplished speaker. You're a mom. You've got a bunch of kids in college. You know, you've got to stay motivated. You've got to stay on the road. Everybody who doesn't do travel professionally thinks travel is very exciting and exotic. <laughs> right? Really, we see the hallway, yeah. the conference Dumps, room with kitchens the Kitchens and dumpsters <laughs> and the backstage areas. <laughs> right? Yes. So what motivates you? You're, you're a driven gal. You're a high achiever. What is it that motivates you? There are two types of ways that we can tell if we're motivated or not, any of us. First one is, what is your wellspring? What is the area that just so deeply motivates you, you almost can't do it? It gives Mm -hmm. you perpetual energy. Mm -hmm. For me, being able to give people new ideas, Mm -hmm. to be able to see themselves in a way that they've never seen themselves before, and to help them find exactly those right words, and Mm -hmm. watching their face light up with the sunshine of an epiphany, I love that. I mean, that to me is better than chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) On the other hand, there are other areas that we all have that are quicksand, Mm -hmm. that are demotivating, demoralizing, discouraging, that make us want to quit. And what we find is that when people are forced to be in a role in which they have to do those quicksand types of activities, they quickly lose market value because they're not seen at their best. Mm -hmm. They're competing on a basis for which they are not designed to achieve. And so it's crucial for all of us to know what is your wellspring and what's your quicksand. What's your quicksand? Spreadsheets. Uh Uh-oh. Execution. Yeah. Implementation. Okay. I want to invent what the assembly line should be making. I don't want to run the assembly line. Nice. At the same time, that doesn't mean I don't want to work with people who run the assembly line because I need that. Sure. And my clients 
if they're the type of person that wants to have the exact same thing done the exact same way over and mm-hmm. over again, and they really need stability and repetition in order f- to feel comfortable, I can either refer them to somebody else. Right. I can force myself to do business the way they want it to be done, but I have to know that's going to be very expensive for me. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very draining, and mm-hmm. I, I won't be seen at my best. Or my third option is... I can explain to them why they don't want an assembly line because we don't live in an assembly line world. They shouldn't have stability because we don't have a stable market. Mm-hmm. They need somebody who can deliver fresh ideas and big thinking to help them get untraditional solutions mm-hmm. for an untraditional marketplace. Right. So you stick to your knitting. You obviously need some of that execution, and you have some very capable people working with you, right? So it's obviously you hire your opposite. I always say if you're a hunter, you better hire a skinner. Or there's <laughs> dead bodies laying all over the place, right? <laughs> Uh, I like that with the last name Hogshead. Yeah, right. We got got like a good fleshy metaphor. Yeah, right. That's great. So talk to me about routines for yourself. One of the characteristics I have of high-achieving people all around is that there seems to be a consistency in routine. You know, you're out here, you're doing this 70, 80 times a year, you're speaking to hundreds of thousands of people, you've got to get yourself fired up, you've got to get yourself enthusiastic, you've got to keep yourself a certain way. What are some of the routines or habits you have that keeps you at the top of your game? That is such an awesome question, because if you're stressed, then your listener is going to be stressed. Uh-huh. If you're in a state of having to make decisions, you're going to be confused and uncomfortable, and you're not going to be able to be focused in and in that zone. Right. So speaking is one example of how it's crucial for me to have certain types of routines. Mm-hmm. I'm not a routine-oriented person, okay. so I've surrounded myself with a team and with systems that are extremely routine-oriented. Nice. For example, when I travel to a major event, my team knows I'm not going to make a decision for 24 hours before the event because decisions create stress, mm. stress creates it's uncertainty and I don't want to have any uncertainty so I can be in that zone that wellspring of of helping people see things before I came here I have a, a package this thick It includes your full bio, your LinkedIn bio, your photograph, Mm -hmm. your fascination archetype, Mm -hmm. everything we could find compiled in one place. And when they did the same thing for every single person on your team, so that when I met Derek in the lobby, we'd never met before. I already know what he looks like. I can create instant rapport. And a lot of times when... And that reduces stress for you too, Reduces stress and also allows me to do what I do best, which is to build connections. If I feel uncertain, then, you know, when when somebody's kind of like looking past you, like, then I can't immediately make make you feel great about yourself. Right. Some speakers travel with a power cord and an adapter for the computer. Yeah. I travel with everything known to man with backups. And your team was laughing because I have my computer. I have a backup computer, yep. power cord, backup cord, backup <laughs> thumb drives. And the reason why is because I'm very spontaneous in how I like to create content. Yeah. And if I don't have backups, then if something goes a little bit off track, yeah. it can veer off wildly. Smart. So I think here, here's the thing for all of us. What do you need to be perceived at your highest value? Imagine that that your personality and your ability to connect is actually the single most important thing that you can contribute to the other person and that will contribute to the wealth that you will generate for your clients and yourself. Mm -hmm. You must protect that like any other asset. Mm -hmm. Same way that you would your house's value Mm -hmm. or your 401k. If you are not able to be seen at your best or to feel Mm -hmm. like you're delivering and over-delivering, you've done a huge disservice to yourself, but you've probably also damaged your brand. Well, what I hear is you have built for yourself some routines and you got your support staff to build for you some things that protect you, support you, help you, to allow you to be totally present where you are, 
give your best and do your thing. And I think that's brilliant. And I think that's great encouragement for everybody else. And it's like, this is what I do best. This is what drains me. This is the quicksand. And build some systems and habits to protect me from the quicksand and, and make sure that I'm able to put my best foot forward. And that's, that's the beauty of routines, right? Especially for non-routine people. Yes. People who can resist it. And yeah. people who work in real estate often have their adrenaline junkies. They thrive yeah. on the chaos. They're really good at the last minute. Mm-hmm. But you can only have that if you have a support net. Right. If you have a safety net. Yeah. I'll take it even one step further. If you introduce yourself to somebody, to an audience, to a client, to a prospect, if you fail to earn their attention by adding value, you have actually disincentivized them from talking to you in the future. Mm. In other words, in a world in which attention is the single most valuable currency, more Mm. important than time or money, Mm. if you ask for someone's attention and you don't give them your utmost value in return, you've just taken their most non-renewable resource. They can't get their attention span back. So the next time you call or tap them on the shoulder or ask for a a meeting, they're very unlikely to do it. And so that's why it's so important for us to constantly be able to perform at our best or we ruin our reputation. Well, it's it's an aside, but when our kids were young, we, on one hand, didn't want to have a child-centered home where the world revolved around them. But on the other hand, we wanted them to know that when we were communicating with them, they had our full attention. So we developed this little technique. Ah, that's so great. So that, let's say I'm having a conversation with Miss Sally, as my kids would call you. Yeah. They were trained at a very young age. They can come up. If they want to interrupt, they can touch my hand or my leg or mom's hand or mom's leg to let us know they're there. And when it's appropriate, I'll break away from Miss Sally, and mm-hmm. I'll give you my full attention. Ah. So they'd have to stand ah, there and wait. Isn't that wonderful? Well, we would hold their face when it was time to talk to them, oh. and they would even hold ours. But... I have used that analogy with my clients many times that in our world today and the goldfish nine seconds of concentration that people have, people need their face held, Mm. especially when you're dealing with matters that are very important or very significant or painful or there's a lot of expense involved. The clients need you to hold their face. And, uh, you know, we look at one another now and we look down at the phone while we're talking to one another. We're having lunch with one another and we're checking the phones or checking all the messages. In other words, we're not fascinating each other. And we're not locked in and we're not giving that value to one another. So I think the work you're doing is it's I think the fascination can be perceived as something. Oh, that's cool. That's a brand. And it could be conceived as as surface. But I think at the end of the day, understanding your value, being able to communicate your value and being able to provide your value to a need that somebody has. To fascinate your customers so they don't go to somebody else in the market. It's just as deep as it gets, to be honest with you. I have a couple of interesting questions. I hope you'll find these fascinating. (laughs) And uh, it'll give us a little picture about Sally that will uh, help, and you'll be surprised what people get from this. So, okay, what movie is uh, one that you have watched over and over and over again? Uh, Princess Bride. Come on. Yes. And the reason why is because it's something that I can watch with my kids of any age. Yep. And it doesn't matter which assortment of kids we've got it in the house. Yeah. It's so important to be able to find activities where you can both be fully Fabulous. engaged. Fabulous. Yeah, that, that you're you're not each on your devices. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big connection person. Uh, my name is Diego Mentoya. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Share with me a book that's been very instrumental in your life that's really like it was you maybe took you from one level to the next or thinking from one spot to the next what would be a book that comes to mind can i talk about my book yeah sure actually this is not a self-serving thing this is actually a a painful journey yeah i first released the book fascinate 
in 2010. Mm. I had begun researching it in 2006, so I spent four years on it. It was a major national release. But 2010, was that a good time with the economy? Probably not. Probably not. Timing wasn't Did people want a $30 high-level business book? Mm, yeah, no. They didn't want to be fascinating. They simply wanted to close the they deal. They wanted to survive. They wanted to survive, <laughs> yeah. right? Survive would have been a good book at the Exactly. And that crushed me. Mm. And it, it really damaged my morale because I'd spent four years and mm. a lot of resources working yep. on this launch. But then after my last book was a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, mm-hmm. the publisher came back to me and said, we didn't give your book a real shot. We didn't support it the way we should have. We want you to rewrite it and bring it up to all the research you've done on almost a million people now. Mm-hmm. And that was almost like a, it was like, you know the ugly prom outfit you have in the closet <laughs> that suddenly goes back in style? But you're like looking wow. in the mirror. Yeah. So when, now that I'm relaunching this new book, yeah. it's a real coming of age. Awesome. And I hope that the economy is as good yeah. on April 26th yeah. as it is today, yeah. early April. No, that's great. Because a lot of people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes with creating these books, developing the content. Going, it's a real soul-searching process. Deeply, you know. And then you got to cut, and some of your best stuff ends up in the cutting room floor. Right. And I mean, again, I think it's very powerful when you share something like that. You feel rejected when you put yourself out there creatively. Yes. You kind of expose your soft underbelly. You're like, here I am. This is the best I have. And you know logically that the market's down and there's a recession and you know the timing's not there. But it's tough stuff. And I think this is the beautiful stuff because people are listening and. You know, they think Sally Hodgson's never had a bad day in her life. She's able to speak all over the world. Brian Buffini flies around the world in his jet, and everything's just great. And yet it's one series of overcoming setbacks after another, and you string enough of these things together, and the next thing you know, they're calling you success. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, the scary and difficult and painful don't have to stop you. They can actually point you in the direction of becoming your best self. Mm. And it was that agony that I had to go through with my perception that I had a failure when Mm. Fascinate was first published that drove me to understand how much we all feel that in our jobs, in our Mm. families. Mm -hmm. We may care very deeply about a client, but if for some reason there's not a right fit there through something that's no fault of our own, that it's just a blow to the heart. But you know, the thing for me is there's no compassion without pain. Mm -hmm. And you go through something like that, it creates empathy. I've gone through it. And, you know, we had the largest real estate coaching company in the world. Mm. And one out of every eight homes in the U.S. and Canada sold through our database. Mm. We were 10 times the size of our nearest competitor when the entire worldwide recession was centered on U.S. real estate. So that, you know, other than how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? I mean, (laughs) you know, but out of that, you know, I will take the stage this afternoon and I'll be teaching Mm. people on getting their financial house in order. Well, you know, it's a very passionate thing for me. Mm. I've been through it. It's, you know, how I took care of that through that system. It's not only how I protected the livelihoods of hundreds of employees, but it's also how we helped a lot of people weather the storm. There's no compassion without pain. Mm. And we all have to go through it. And I think that's what really people identify with. So thank you for sharing that. I know that that will help a lot of folks. Favorite artist, favorite song, music. Okay, I'm, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> I have terrible taste in music. Hey, you, it's I love fascinating. the 80s. Come on, baby. I love, yeah, Come I on. mean, 
I mean, I'll go deep on bad 80s hardcore synth. I'll go to 80s night at like the local sports bar. I know every lyric to every song. Awesome. That was, and not the good Love 80s. is a battlefield, Sally. Yes. That's all I know. Love is a Okay, wait. Do you remember the, the video? Love is a And so she had like all this stuff in her hair. Absolutely. And the first concert I ever went to was Men at Work. Oh, remember that? Yeah. Be good, be good, yep. be good. Yep. Okay, so. Turns out Colin Hay, their lead singer, now is touring by himself as an acoustic artist, I've taking the exact that. same songs. Can I tell you, like, one of the best concerts I've ever been to? Because turns out 80s music can actually be pretty good when you take away the synthesizers <laughs> and that those little, like, vague drums yeah, that they yeah, would right. use and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, emulators. Yeah. All right. You know, it's funny. Music often brings us back to certain places and times in our life, too. So mm. I like to ask that. Okay. On a more serious side, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? What my father said to me when I was young. Mm. You don't have to change who you are. You just have to become more of who you are. Mm. And this was very poignant for me because I'm the youngest of three. And when I was young, my family had great success. My dad was a worldwide published orthopedic surgeon. Hmm. My sister had three gold medals in the Olympics in swimming. Oh my, gosh. my brother graduated from Harvard. And I was so proud of all my siblings. And at the same time, because I hadn't, you know, you don't have a personal brand at seven, yeah. I <laughs> didn't know how I could make a contribution to the world. Wow. And my father said that to me one day you don't have to change who you are, you don't have to try to be better than somebody else. You should never try to copy somebody at their own game. Yeah. You can't outdo sister, somebody else. Can't be your brother. Right. And he said, don't change who you are. Become more of who you are. In other words, you can't look for who you are externally. You have to look for who you are internally and then use that to add value to the people around you. Wow. Well, what a great piece of parenting. And here is the core content of your presentation that I took notes on today uh, was that very statement. And it's very interesting how those principles become our legacy and uh, Great that your dad championed you. Yes, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful that in this high achieving environment, he also had the presence of mind to understand that we don't all achieve in the same way, right. and that there's not a cookie cutter formula, right. nor should there be. Yep. And so, for all of us to be able to find how do we become more of who we are, and then do it on purpose. Nice. That's how we. Well, you're you're a gold medalist in my book, Sally Hogshead. You. You're a Thank great you. presenter. You're a great woman. And a great writer, really enjoyed uh, reading your materials. Two last little pieces I'm going to mention is Fascinate, How to Make Your Brand Impossible to Resist. It looks like a great read. I'm excited to dive into this. This is the new and improved and ready for today's market. May I share something with yeah, you that please, you're going to like please, about yeah. this? Do you know what an advanced copy is? Yes, I do. So there's the book, and then the publisher creates a, a couple hundred of the advanced copy that's sent out to the media and book reviewers. Right. This is the advanced copy. Yeah. It's only printed one time. And some people think, oh, well, it's, it's paperback. Why would I keep this? But it actually kind of becomes a collector's item. And a minute ago, I was talking about Men at Work mm -hmm. and how it was the first concert I went to. Mm -hmm. Well, when I went to the concert, I was so excited to see Men at Work in the 80s that I showed up early so I could watch them warm up. I remember distinctly, I treasure that warm up even more than the actual performance mm -hmm. because it's like watching the dress rehearsal. It's watching the flaws, watching somebody who's an artist, but what they have to do to get those 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. So this is the advanced copy, and I'm really happy nice. that you get one. Thank you. And, um, I have a special couple of bookshelves that are all 
original author stuff and, and a number of advanced copies in that. So this will be there. I will read it. It looks uh, very, very good. You've got some Tom Peters and Seth Godin and some heavy hitters endorsing it here. So that's a very good sign, too. Thank you. And we'll certainly let our folks know about it. So, Sally, one of the things you did for our audience here today was to give them an opportunity to take one of these assessments, mm -hmm. okay? And so we had talked about perhaps making that available to some of the folks here right. today. Yes. So, I mean, obviously what a great opportunity it is to be able to find out your own personal brand and to go through that and be, and be able to communicate it. So thank you for that generous offer, yes, by the way, to our we'll, audience. we'll make sure that the folks who are listening will also get the rapid report version okay. of that assessment Great. so that you can find the exact words you need to differentiate yourself in a crowded marketplace based on how people see you at your best. So how will people do that? How do they go? They... We're going to give you a code. Yep. And it's going to be a code just for you. Great. And we could put that in the show notes. Nice. So if you want to find out how the world sees you, and if you want to find out how uh, ultimately you can learn to understand your own personal brand, how to communicate that and how to articulate that, we're going to provide you with the information and go right ahead. And Sally, thank you very much for thank that. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And a lot of the things that we talked about are in this new book, but people are also invited to go to the website at howtofascinate.com. Nice. Well, we appreciate you being here hey, today. Thank you. And this is a wonderful, thank you. I love doing wonderful it. conversation. Yeah. And, and again, I think more is caught than taught. And people love <laughs> to know what's behind the people that bring them this information. Mm. And so thank you for being so authentic and transparent in our conversation. And I know it's going to help a lot of folks. Mm. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for joining the Brian Buffini Show. And let me leave you with the blessing that I always do. May the roads rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.